So just like we're not okay as mamas if our kids are not okay, we're also not okay if we have a lot of friction or conflict or unresolved feelings, unresolved conversations in our marriage. So today I'm going to give my top thoughts about calming the chaos in your marriage. Now, I am not a therapist. I am not the world-renowned expert on marriage, but I have been in two of them. (laughs) If you've listened to the podcast for a while, you know that I was married for 14 years when my husband passed away in 2015, and Bobby and I have been together for five years, and we've been married for almost four, and I have talked to girlfriends for years and years and years about marriage. We sit on the beach, we go for walks, we talk about the things that come up, and you are not alone if you are navigating tough waters in marriage. And I know that you can do your self-care and take care of your household and go to work and work out and do all of the things for your wellness, but if you are not okay in the really the most important relationship in your life, nothing feels okay. I understand that. I want to be there for you today. And I want to offer some insight of things that I have learned, um, not just from my own marriage, but also from talking to friends. And I hope that this blesses you. I hope that it encourages you, maybe even makes you a little bit squirm a little bit if it's something that you know is something that you're struggling with. But I hope that you walk away with ways that you today can start to calm the chaos in your marriage. Welcome to The Well Podcast, a safe place to find health and wholeness for your body, mind, and heart. My name is Kari Davis, growing up a pastor's daughter, being widowed at 38 with three little kids, being betrayed by those close to me, and now blending my family with a man that made my heart come back to life. I know that life can change and get derailed, but come to The Well, our online wellness collaborative where you will find restoration through wellness, inner healing, faith, and freedom. In the Bible, the woman at the well went for water, but when Jesus showed up with truth and healing, she got living water. So grab your bucket, a cup will not do, and join me at the well. It's time to refill, reset, and restore. So I don't know about you, but when I was a little girl, I dreamed about my wedding day. I had started a wedding folder when I was probably in high school. I mean, I was really, really young, and I was already like clipping out things from magazines and coming up with ideas. And so when I got married at 23 years old, that sounds so young right now, but I felt so much older than I was. Um, my book was already ready. And of course, the styles had changed and I definitely made some different decisions. But I think as little girls, we really fantasize the fairy tale and we fantasize the wedding day. And then we move right on to having a baby. And so much of the time, our marriage is something that we value, but we don't spend as much mental capacity thinking and dreaming and planning our marriage as we do like the whole family. And I might be alone in that, but I kind of highly doubt it. Once we have a baby, then we are overwhelmed with caring for someone else, for the responsibility, for the overwhelming unconditional love that we feel. And we are not necessarily equipped for all of the decisions and all of the dynamics that are going to come in to our marriage. 
our body changes when we have babies, bills come in, things happen in the world that really upset our security, whether it is things that happen from within our jobs or our family situations, our extended families, or even if it's outside in the world. These last couple years, COVID has affected our marriage, our communication, how we're going to handle things in ways that we never dreamed that we would have to deal with. I remember when I first got married in 2001, I got married in July, 9-11 happened in September, and then I don't know if you remember the Enron scandal, but TJ worked for Arthur Anderson at the time, and so his business, was his company basically was folded and he was bought out by a different company, but it was really scary. I was like, this is a lot of adulting really, really soon. So whether you have had a lot of hardship or difficult things happen within your life, within your extended family life, or even within the world, so much more comes at our marriage that we ever, ever anticipated. So when you talk about finances, when you talk about schedules, when you talk about your jobs, Um, Then when you have children and you add their needs, um, sometimes a child takes extra patience than other (laughs) children. They have different temperaments. They have different things that they're into. So much more comes at us than we could have ever imagined. And it's really easy to just get caught up in putting out the fires and not to step back and to look at what kind of marriage we actually want, what kind of marriage is actually going to be so fulfilling. And we just get caught up in the day-to-day of grocery shopping and making dinner and cleaning up and giving kids baths. And there's so many years that I remember just feeling like I was constantly a chicken with my head cut off. And I didn't take that time to step back and to have really good communication and really good expectations and intentionality in my relationship. And then TJ passed away really suddenly. And so many of those things, so many of those plans and dreams and hopes were taken away in an absolute instant. And I had a lot of regrets that we didn't have a lot of those conversations. And so I want to give you this push. I want to really encourage you to stop in this moment and not have those same regrets that I had to have. Now, I did learn from my mistakes and I took a lot of time. I was single after TJ passed away for three years. I took a lot of time of self-analyzing, of healing a lot of things in my own heart, of doing a lot of personal development and working on myself, remembering who I was. Um, And so you don't have to be single to do that, but I definitely decided what I wanted in a relationship. And I wanted intimacy. Now I'm not talking sexual, we'll get there in a second. But I wanted to feel like I had that person that I could just be my absolute self with. And I have gotten that in Bobby. We both, you know, he had gone through a divorce. And so many times when you've been through pain, you're able to see it more clearly. But if you are in your first relationship, your first marriage, you are so blessed. God will bless that in a way that is so 
unique and so special. And so if you feel like things have gotten off track a little bit, please take this episode as a not only just a reminder, but I am imploring you, I'm begging you to stop and to find some of the issues that maybe are coming up so that you don't have regrets and so that you can have that intimacy in your marriage. So here are some of my top tips that Bobby and I have worked really hard to implement that we have set as non-negotiables that I think makes such a huge, huge difference. And the first one is to forever, forever date your spouse. I think that this one, honestly, if you did nothing else, if you're like, oh, we are not ready to talk about issues, we are not ready to sit down and have a state of the union or to talk about a lot of things, there's a lot of animosity here. There's a lot of hurt feelings here. We are not ready to to do these other steps. Just start dating. Just start getting dressed up, trying to impress your spouse, and going somewhere. If you don't have any money, go to a park and pack a picnic, but look super cute and shave your legs and act like you're going on a date. Don't just go out to dinner Don't take the kids out to dinner. Date your spouse. You can do everything with someone else except for have romantic feelings and affection, sex, all of the, everything else that you can do, you can do with someone else except for have, having the romantic kind of relationship. And so I really think it needs to happen every single week. I know that that is so hard for so many of you, but I also know that it's worth the sacrifice. It's worth the begging your girlfriend to to do a swap where maybe you guys go out on Friday night and she goes out on Saturday night and you share the kids. It is selling your soul to a family member that maybe makes you feel so guilty if they babysit. You know what? Just explain that this is what you need for your relationship. It is not eating out or spending less or going to a cheaper restaurant so that you can pay for the babysitter. It is making really good friends with the girl down the street so that she can come over and sit with the kids. But get dressed up and date your spouse. You look at them differently when you're alone. I think it does a lot for a relationship, especially from the guy's perspective, when we are dressing up and wanting to impress them still when they haven't seen us maybe you know get dressed up or put heels on or put a dress on in so long I think that there's just something mental about getting dressed up for each other I think it's really sweet I think there's something sweet about riding in the car and just kind of taking that deep breath and being like okay we got out And then you sit and then maybe you have a cocktail and then you start to feel more relaxed and then you are just able to start to talk and to have that time. I remember it with little kids. I remember that it is a struggle. I know how much they, you just, you feel so hung on all the time. There's always someone touching you. There's always someone asking you for something. And so do this for yourself, but also for you guys together. I honestly cannot say that enough. Jordan Peterson, if you don't follow him, please jump over to Instagram. It's jordan.b, as in boy, dot Peterson um, on Instagram. And he's a clinical psychologist, but he, I think, is 
so in tune with the human experience. I just, I love everything that he says. He's very, very smart. He posted a reel. It might have been a while ago, but I just saw it um, this week. It was May 4th. He said, for a couple to maintain their relationship without it deteriorating, they have to spend 90 minutes a week together talking about their lives. And I just, I think that is so important. We don't start to dream. If we're not growing, we're dying, right? So we have to just be opening that communication and it doesn't happen unless it's intentional. And so maybe it's a walk. Maybe it's not getting dressed up. Maybe it's a walk that you have to do right now. But spending that time together is so important. Okay, so start spending some time together and you'll be shocked at some of these other things that can come up and can get fixed. I think that defining roles is really, really important. I'm going to tackle a topic that many people stay away from, but there is that scripture that says that women must submit to their husbands. And many people hate the scripture. They think that it means that the husband is the boss of the wife and the wife doesn't have any decision-making power. I mean, it's just been tortured, but that's not at all what the scripture says. It's in Ephesians 5. It says, verse 22, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also women... Wives should submit to their husbands and everything. And then verse 25 is what people don't read. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blame- blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their own body, just as Christ does the church. So you have to understand in this scripture that it's comparing how God or Jesus sees the church as the bride. He sees her as who he takes care of, who he loves, who he gives everything to, basically. It's like this beautiful, true wedding where it's beautiful. And so when it says that we are submit, that we are to submit to our husbands, it is in that same feeling that we can put him up as head of the household because he is responsible and taking care of and cherishing us. Okay, so it's this give and take. It is, I honor you, I respect you, and you are loving me so much. It's the same as Christ loves the church. And so I love teaching this to my kids that my husband is the final authority, that he is the head of the household. It's a lot of pressure on him to be the head of the household. There's so much weight on his shoulders. So he can only do that. He can only feel the confidence And the encouragement to do that, to have that pressure on him when I am going to build him up and respect him. And so if you are saying to your husband, you know, like, well, you don't do anything around here or slamming him in front of the kids or he's doing that to you, that is what has to absolutely stop. Your roles are that he is the head of the household and has so much pressure 
but you also have the pressure and you guys working together are going to be edifying and building each other up. And so if that's where the breakdown is, if you're kind of always trying to take the power, not giving him a voice, cutting him down, that might be where so many things are cutting out. And so he's not nurturing and loving you the way that you need Or maybe you are, and that is just a hang-up, and you guys are needing some help and some counseling. But I think that when we start to build our husbands up, it is shocking how much they want to show us that compassion and that love. And so, I don't know, let's ask dad what he thinks. Or dad, what do you want for dinner? Or whatever it is, when you start to have that reciprocal relationship of building each other up rather than being in fights, Um, so maybe just helping to look at that scripture a little bit different will help in that. And then we get into some things that are just more tactical, just things that we all have to do. And you might be feeling like you do so much and that you're needing more help. And so talking about sharing the responsibilities more, I've given this example so many times to friends where they're like, I just do this and I just do this and I'm going all day and I'm making dinner and then giving the kids baths and I'm exhausted and then he wants to have sex and I just want to kill him. And so lovingly saying, you know, this, 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 and this all need to be done tonight. Do you mind taking half of these? Just, this is just the facts. This is everything that needs to be done and I really need your help because I would love us to be able to relax together tonight or whatever it is. To, To be articulating your need for sharing the responsibilities is something that I think so many women don't do and then we're just mad that they're not happening, okay? So to articulate it, maybe you need to, um, maybe you listened to the episode um, a couple episodes ago. I did like my top tip for calming the chaos in your mind, making that sheet of what needs to be done for yourself, for your home, for your family, for your work. Maybe showing him that and just saying, look at all this stuff for the home. I am so overwhelmed. Can we set a time aside on Saturday or on Sunday, whatever it is, to get this done? Because this is making me feel so frazzled. I think so much of the time our expectations are not being met because we have just not communicated it at all. So notice that I'm not bringing this up and like talk about this conflict, share this conflict. I'm talking about sharing responsibilities. Um, it's just the attitude that we come at these things are some of the ways that we can calm the chaos so much. Okay, so what happens when you do want to manage conflict? I think every relationship needs to set a list of rules to fight fair. Because once you break the seal, or once you start some bad habits... Maybe it's name calling, maybe it's yelling, maybe it's fighting in front of the kids, things that have just got to stop. You have to decide on a list of things that are your rules for fighting. Um, some of them are to never bring up the divorce, the, the D word, the word divorce. You just don't ever say that word. You don't ever threaten with that. You make a promise that you are not going to call names You are going to promise that when things get heated, you're going to step away for 20 minutes, maybe go for a walk. (laughs) Um, You are going to make a promise that you will resolve it or at least have it majorly calm down before you go to sleep. Uh, Maybe make a promise that 
you will always end the night saying that I love you, that even if there is some major conflict going on, those nights where you fall asleep and you feel like there is the biggest chasm between the two of you does so much damage. And so making your list of rules to fight fair, I think is so, so important. And if you've gotten into some really bad habits, I would cut the cancer out right now. Make the appointment right now. Go talk to someone. Have a counselor over. Make an appointment. Um, If you are doing the damage to each other, so much damage can be done. Number five is to take some time alone or maybe together and heal those past hurts. If there is something that was said that it haunts you, it you can't let it go, maybe there's even been an apology for it, but it didn't feel authentic or you don't feel that you were really heard the amount that it destroyed a part of you, how you see yourself or how you think your spouse sees you, to heal those past hurts is so, so important. Now, if your spouse has apologized, if they have felt awful, but you are just not able to let it go, please bring that to God. Ask him to just take it from you. If there is a past hurt that is haunting you, but there has been forgiveness and you are just harboring those feelings, just God will take it away. So just pray on it. Just please, Lord, just take this out of my mind. And we are all sinners. We are all in need of forgiveness. And truly, in your mind, visualizing, laying it at the foot of the cross and saying, Jesus, this is for you to carry. I cannot carry this anymore. So many of those things stop intimacy. They stop us from moving forward because we are just in our sinful nature. We want someone to pay. We want to feel hurt. We feel like if we let go of it, it could come back and it could bite us again. But that is not the way that we can live in relationship. And so healing those past hurts, whatever it takes, again, with a counselor. Okay, then we're, those are kind of the heavy ones. Let's get back a little bit lighter. Number six is to hold your spouse in an open hand. So put your hand out just absolutely flat and think of your spouse like that. If you are gripping this tight grip on your husband, you don't want him to go out. You don't want him to do this. You're just constantly wondering where he is, what he's doing. We want freedom as human beings. We want to feel free. And when you feel free, just like your toddler, you're at a park and they're running ahead of you and they're kind of looking back at you like, you're, you're letting me go? You're still not stopping me? Everyone wants to feel that freedom. I remember when um, Aiden was like 10 or 11 years old, we were at a beach and he was like, mom, can I go throw the football over there? You know, and he felt like it was so far away and I would still be able to see him, but he wanted that freedom. He wanted to know that I trusted him, that his value and that he had earned the confidence and the trust that he could be away. And it's the same in our relationships. We have to hold each other with an open hand. If we're always feeling like we're trying to get away and someone won't let us away, it shuts down that intimacy. It shuts down that feeling of trust. And so keep that in your mind. Hold them in an open hand. And what what actually happens is that they want to spend more time with you when they feel free that they don't have to. (laughs) And we all want to feel free. We all want to feel that we 
are autonomous, but we are also interconnected and interdependent, not codependent on each other, where we have to, our happiness or the other person's happiness is reliant on the other person. We want to feel like we are our own person, but that we're also so encouraged and loved by our spouse. Um, So number seven kind of goes along with number one where it's dating, but it's not fun on date night, so I would do it another time. And that is go through the state of the union. This might be like over breakfast or this might be over a walk. This is something where you just sit down. You might have to talk about the things on your list for the home or for the family. A lot of times when Bobby and I do this, it's to go through each kid. (laughs) How are they doing? What's coming up? Um, you know, how are they doing in school? How are they doing just in all the different areas? So we call this the state of the union where we just sit down and talk about all of the different things that we're needing. Otherwise, weeks and days and hours go by and we are frustrated. We are needing to make decisions. We're feeling alone in parenting. And so you might even want to call it that. Call it the state of the union and say that we do it Wednesday morning over breakfast or whatever it is. There's always things that another parent sees that we don't see or concerns that we have that we need to share that burden with our spouse. That is the point. So number eight is, I don't think the most important part, but I think that if you don't have this, you are really, really missing out. Because like I said, you can do Everything with someone else in a marriage except for romantic, flirtation, intimacy, sex. So number eight is absolutely make sex a priority. That is not just actually in the bedroom, but also just touching, flirting. Even if you have kind of decided what your love languages are and maybe neither of you have touch as your main love language, Like I said, you can do everything else with someone else except for this. And everyone needs a hug. Everyone needs to feel like they are wanted, like they are appreciated, to feel affection in that way. And so if you are just had a baby or have little kids or are really stressed out and you have maybe not been apt to initiate or in the mood, whatever you want to call it, Please work through these other things, sharing the responsibility, defining the roles, managing the conflict, healing those past hurts so that you can have a marriage, so that you can have a relationship that you can only have with that other person. It is a stress reliever. It is good for your hormones. It is really important for your relationship. Um, And many times I would venture to guess that it is not happening because there is something that needs to be overcome. And when you do start to flirt with each other and to send little texts to each other or whatever it is to kind of spice this up again, it's going to make all of the other categories better. Because who does not want to feel wanted? Who does not want to feel like someone else chooses them? Even though we're already chosen, we're already married. Everybody wants to feel that they are thought of and someone is attracted to them. And if it's something with your own body, if it's some insecurities or something going on, then tackle that straight on. But I will tell you, your husband does not care. 
I remember reading a men's health magazine one time. It was like at a doctor or or something and it said that your husband is not looking at your belly or your extra inch on your thigh. He is only thinking, oh my goodness, I'm so lucky I'm going to get some. Okay, I'm not trying to be crass, but it's pretty funny because we think all of these things and have these negative self-talk about sex. And I promise you, your husband just wants to be with you. So number nine is one that is a struggle, I think, for a lot, a lot, a lot of families, especially in our culture where we kind of have child worship. Our kids' activities dictate our calendar, and the kids decide what we're having for dinner. And I think that kids are getting way too many decision-making privileges in the home. So number nine is to be a parent second. And this does not mean that it's less important, but that your relationship comes first. That kids are like, well, why can't we go? Because mom and dad need time together. Well, who's going to decide what's for dinner? Mom. Who's, who's going to decide what we do this weekend? Mom and dad will decide and let you know. I truly believe that way too much power is being given to children and that we need to take it back. Our kids need to see that we are the top priority, that when they're out of the house, we're not going to let our relationship suffer. That us spending time together, that us having quiet time, that us not being interrupted when we're talking that we have time together in the evening so you guys go to bed a little bit early so we can have adult time together. It is so important for us to model that beautiful family that God has told us to set up where the father is the head of the household and the mother is loved and cherished and given so many roles and responsibilities by God and that the the father of the household respects those so much that there is mutual love and respect, so much exuding from this relationship that the kids know where they stand and that they don't have the power, the parents have the power, and that our relationship comes first. It's your list of priorities. God is first, and then it is my husband, then it is my children, then it is my family, job, etc. That when things are out of whack, things are out of whack. And that is what brings the chaos into our lives and into our marriages. And so, like I said, I am not a family therapist. I am only someone who has walked the road. I'm only someone who has regrets of things that were not said. I'm only someone who is living a marriage That is the best thing that has ever happened to me, that we have prioritized things in a way that makes me have wind in my sails, that makes me feel like I can accomplish anything because I know that I have a supporter. I know I have someone who will be the bad guy with me. I don't feel like I'm walking first. I feel like I'm walking together. Um, Look at some of those Instagram videos too of... Um, the lion. Oh my gosh. I love the one. Um, I love all those videos. And if you scroll down on my Instagram, you'll see the lion one that I had posted one time, but there was one that Bobby sent me the other day that said, there's no greater force than one of a King. And it's got this big lion and his queen. And she's like always walking behind him. 
And so just think of that and talk to your husband about that, that that's how you see him. And that might feel too cheesy. You might not feel ready for that. But start to feel that way in your own heart. God will give you the confidence in order to give your husband the the power, I'm air quoting, so to speak, that when it's beautiful, it's beautiful. And if it's been misaligned, misrepresented, misused, then let's heal those things. But that is the way that it was intended to be. And it can bring so much joy and so much fun into your life. If you can calm the chaos in your marriage and start to be on the same team and show that interdependence, that major intimacy and love between the two of you. So I will be praying that marriages from this podcast will be strengthened and that we will see that God had a beautiful design set up that has been misrepresented, has been tortured by our culture, but that we can get it back into Christian households. So that leads me to number 10. (laughs) Feels like a tag on, but it should be just throughout every single one of one through nine is to pray for and with your spouse. I think that we can change the way that marriage is seen if we bring God into the center. And I hope that this blesses you today and that your marriage is strengthened. Have a good day, friends. I hope that you are feeling refilled after being at the Well Podcast. Please take a second and fill out a review. This is the only way that we know if you're enjoying the podcast and what you're enjoying about it. Also subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. And we would love to have you in our Facebook community group. The link is in each episode. We are better together at the well.